0: Hey there, it's John from the Lorehounds. You're about to listen to our second bonus episode after the conclusion of our Second Age podcast. Don't forget, we'll be here with you throughout the season, so keep posted and keep subscribed for that. On this episode, we have a couple segments for you. The first is a recording of our live Discord stage conversation with the Bald Move community on the Bald Move Discord. In that conversation, we broke down the brand new trailer from The Rings of Power David is traveling right now, so his audio isn't quite where it usually is, but we wanted to give everyone who missed our live Discord conversation the opportunity to hear our breakdown. After the break, David will walk us through his favorite and least favorite YouTube fan fiction creations in the Lord of the Rings universe. Thanks for listening, and enjoy!
1: Welcome to The Second Age, your guide to Middle-earth. We're the Lorehounds. I'm David.
0: And I'm John.
1: And today we're going to do a quick trailer reaction and breakdown while we're testing out this new Discord Stages feature. Uh, apologies for in advance for any audio quality issues. I am not at my usual setup, and, and I think, John, you are, but you're in the middle of uh, a bunch of life stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, we're testing out this new Discord Stages feature. It's just kind of a way to dip our toes into the water of a live event. We are going to use this feature again next week at 11.15 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll create a, an announcement uh, for that and hopefully get that into the This Week on Bald Move schedule. We're gonna do an, We're going to try an instant take. After the episodes one and two of Rings and Power uh, are shown next Thursday, and we're going to be here at about eleven fifteen, and we're going to give our uh, initial thoughts and feelings on, on what we've seen.
0: Yeah, I think the cool thing about this stage feature is that people can raise their hands like a Twitter space and ask us some questions live. So I think today we're going to give our general takes, do a little bit of a breakdown, and then we're going to do voice questions at the end.
1: Yes. Okay, so let's get into this new trailer that just dropped this morning. John, what are your general thoughts and feelings about this?
0: Uh, I was a little surprised at the beginning when they were like, hey, we're going to show you a trailer now. Uh, I have not seen that in a
1: trailer before. <laughs> it's like a mini cold open.
0: Yeah, it was so weird. But after that, it was a good trailer. Um, it was interesting that they used uh, pop music in this one rather than like the general soundtrack music. Uh, and, and so I guess they were going for a more commercial type trailer. We definitely saw more dialogue in this one that we're, than we're used to. We saw sort of more scenes playing out that we've seen before, like that Galadriel and Elrond conversation about putting up her sword. And, uh, I think we're getting a little bit of details on other characters. So I'm more excited after seeing it. There were a couple things that felt a little weird to me, but overall, I think it was a good trailer.
1: Excellent, yeah. I really like some of how they're setting up Galadriel as uh, this woman who has a real passion and a fire and she's on a mission. Um, mm-hmm. And they have definitely are stitching together. They've definitely zeroed in on five or six little story vignettes. And, and in all the trailers that and, and teasers and all the stuff that's on Twitter, they're all surrounding the same uh, various themes or story plot arcs so that they're building those out more. But I think at the same time, they're hiding a lot by, by giving us a whole lot. They're Mm -hmm. also hiding a lot of things. So it's going to be as, as excited as I am getting from what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm really feeling much more confident in the show. Mm -hmm. I also am sort of on my heels a little bit waiting for some more body blows as they, uh, as they give us the rest of what they have in store, because, What they're giving us is not the whole story by by a long shot.
0: Yeah, and um, they have some big shoes to fill fill now because House of the Dragon came (laughs) back hot. Hot D. Uh, Roaring. You know, I mean, I am someone who is notorious for being fan bankrupt for the A Song of Ice and Fire universe after after the soul-crushing finale of Game of Thrones. But even me, who went in thinking, I don't know if this show can bring me back in it brought me back in. And so if we're having that on Sunday nights, they've got to do a great job with rings of power to get people's attention.
1: That's true. I, I I think that's, that's, um, I would agree with that sentiment. And I would add that my feeling is these two shows are going to be very different in tone Mm -hmm. from each other. We have the sort of fate of the world is at stake with rings of power where in game of thrones they have up the stakes with that um thing i don't really want to spoil it if somebody hasn't seen the episode but mm. they they added something in that really does change the stakes of of uh, house of the dragon and connects it in that longer term story thing but tonally i think these two storylines are going to be very different and i think we're going to have enough separation that they're not going to be competing it's going to be like eating uh pizza versus pasta okay yeah they're both sort of in a Gen- a general cultural frame of reference but they're different enough that i think we can at least i'm not worried about um direct competition and uh overlaps between the two
0: yeah i just want to see good stories all around and i hope that the dialogue around the power can live up to the the bar that was set on sunday night with house of the dragon
1: yeah, wasn't it uh, somebody who was uh, one of the linguists on House of the Dragon was saying, think it was one of Anthony's podcasts, I think he was speaking to uh, somebody who was saying, um, uh, I think he's one of the guys with the Dothraki, uh, who, who works on the Dothraki language. He was saying that these scripts were some of the best scripts he'd ever see or, or ever read. Wow. So, so that's good to know. Okay, well, let's jump into the uh, trailer breakdown. So we have this funky cold open, and I tried to count the number of scenes in here, and it's about 12 different scenes just packed into this little open, but I think all of them are teased out in the rest of the trailer. Uh, is there anything you want to add about this cold open?
0: No, it's it's interesting. They just flash through everything, and I've never seen a trailer go, watch the trailer now. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's whatever. Uh, okay, I'm in.
1: The one thing that I r- really caught my eye was this uh, meteor man uh, holding off against some warbs because we had seen him fighting in some earlier trailers and teasers. And we didn't know what he was thrashing around, but we definitely see that it's him in front of like Three Are these wargs, I think? Uh, is that what these are? These uh, dog-hound creatures? I,
0: I think um, that they're going to call them werewolves. I mean, Sauron, in the first stage, was the lord of werewolves. And wolves okay. are... Uh, a lot of werewolves are under his control, even at the time of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, in the books, you'll see uh, Frodo and company are attacked by them on their way to Moria. Uh, so uh, it, they cut that out of the films, but I think that they're going for that in this. So I'm I'm pretty sure, unless... This is just sort of a sleight of hand. Um, I'm pretty sure this isn't Sauron as as the stranger, because he right. seems to be cowering from these wolves. Uh, but, but it could be that he's cowering from them for a second and be like, all right, you guys are with me. Uh, so, so we'll see if they sort of subvert our expectations, as as D D used to like to say.
1: We, we well, we do have um, earlier teasers where we've seen Meteor Man thrashing something, and I've I've actually freeze framed that, trying to figure out uh, what he has there. And we see some of the Harfoots cowering in the in the trees in the background in that little those little snippets. So I think they're connecting that with this. So this is him definitely fighting off. Uh, some uh, not nice creatures. Hmm. All right, so we get the watch the new trailer now, uh, very funny, and we open up with this scene that we've seen before of a major battle in progress, and we've got Galadriel um, saying that my brother gave his life hunting the enemy, and uh, as we pan back out, who we assume is her brother.
0: Yeah, Finrod. Finrod is uh, one of her brothers who was killed, Uh, by Sauron in the first stage.
1: And then we see her over his body, seeing that uh, his task is now mined, and then she takes the dagger from his cold, dead hands. And we've seen this dagger a lot. Mm -hmm. We've seen it in some underwater shots. We've seen it in some uh, other teaser, you know, uh, other action scenes. This is the one I think she hangs from the ice waterfalls from. So I think this dagger definitely is going to play throughout. Right. Um let's see we then cut to Numenor some ships riding into the harbor and we hear her say stand with me and uh, our ch- our meeting was no chance so who do you think we're talking she's talking to there
0: I think that has to be Halbrand it seems like that's uh-huh. this uh this duo this traveling road show that they're doing uh with with Galadriel and Halbrand uh which which there's some more hints to his backstory throughout the trailer so we'll see where they go with that
1: Definitely interesting because yeah Halbrand is a complete um fictional uh, creation is not mm-hmm. canon and so we have no idea who he is or what role he's going to play Um so then we jump uh so yeah then we we see a couple of other uh scenes we see doran standing in front of some doors And then uh, we see Halbrand here, and she's uh, Galadriel says, ours was the work of something greater. So she's just hinting very much at um, bigger forces at play.
0: Right. Now, these children in the next scene, that's the, the shot that's confusing me the most, because we had been discussing... Uh, it being like Elvis children maybe in in Valinor uh, before the Mm -hmm. Noldor came back over where Galadriel maybe is having a flashback. But it seems to be, at least they're suggesting it's tied to that cult of Sauron figure standing up on that mountain.
1: I don't doubt that this is some misdirection, but it's hard to say at this point. It certainly seems to be the same environmental type. But, um, uh, yeah, it's hard to say we do get a our first really good look at this priestess of uh potentially of Sauron we We actually get to see her face uh straight on in a very brief moment.
0: It's a cool design i mean the the i love the i I, I don't know if you'd call it armor the metal piece that she has on her chest uh that's it's super cool, and her scepter of sorts.
1: Yeah, I've got the, the YouTube video freeze at about uh, 46 seconds, and mm-hmm. uh, some of the designs that they have in here, yeah, with the costuming and stuff, are, are excellent, like really interesting, lots of great detail.
0: If nothing else, we're going to see a beautiful show. We're going to see some amazing cinematography and costume design, so I'm looking forward to that.
1: So then we, um, we, pan, we jump over to Meteor Man, facing off these uh, creatures who snarl at him. And then we get into uh, Queen Muriel talking about people deciding who they need to be. And then we've got a bunch of clip scenes here showing us various primary characters um, and this sort of setting up this whole idea that uh, everyone's going to be challenged uh, to their core.
0: Yeah, so that, I think, goes back to some of these Twitter videos they're putting out, because they had an interview uh-huh. with the actress who plays uh, Muriel. What's the actress's name? You know, I, um, I don't know it off the top of my head. Uh, but, but I am this-
1: really excited. Sorry to inter- interject, but I'm really excited to see her. She Her presence to me is just so great. I'm super excited to, to learn more about uh, Queen Muriel.
0: Yeah, I think she's great. And, and the the actress seems to be pretty into the motivations of this character, which is great. Uh, it's always good to see that. She was saying that they're framing this Numenor conflict of this island nation is at a turning point. Are we going to go be with the elves that we've allied with pretty much our whole existence? Are we going to be drawn away from the elves and from the Valar? And are we going to be brought back to sort of a, a, an isolationist or, or conqueror uh, civilization. We see across from her is Farasone, who mm-hmm. is a big antagonist in the writings we talked about throughout our series. So we have a ton of uh, conflict central to what she's saying, which is, you know, we must decide who we shall be.
1: So then, we uh, our next big hook. We're just kind of skipping through this pretty lightly because there's so much detail here. Mm-hmm. But we have uh, Halbrand, who is he? Looks like he's behind bars, and he says, yeah. "I am not the hero you seek." And then we pan back from him on his little shipwreck, um, which conceivably has something to do with where uh, Galadriel and, and he met.
0: Yeah, and I, and so did he meet her. In the bars, did he meet her while he was imprisoned, or did he meet her on the seas? That's my question.
1: Yeah. We it's it's because she hints to them having some sort of supernatural connection. Like their meeting is not uh by chance but of a fate.
0: And also she seems to know that he was imprisoned for something. Whatever it was you yes. did, be free of it, she says.
1: That line, just when I was watching the trailer before we got on there, like, that really moved me. Like, whatever is going on there, I am interested. I'm totally in. I I love uh, character stories that Mm -hmm. involve people coming back from where they've been. They've done something. They've said something. They've acted in some way. And then they're seeking... Uh, uh, healing, restitution, uh, uh, bettering themselves in some way. So this line, like, really got to me. And seeing Galadriel's battle weary face in that in this little clip, speaking that line, just yeah, it was a real gut punch for me in a good way. Right.
0: Yeah. Um. I, I want to see what these motivations are and what where we're going with it with Halbrand.
1: Yeah. Then we get a great scene with uh, Queen Disa. Uh, backing up her king and we get to hear her speak and uh, wow this is like also really exciting this, <laughs> they've been hinting at these characters and mm-hmm. now we actually have some substance to this.
0: Yeah this is the most explicit we've seen them identify this character as Doran the Fourth. So if you're if you're right. watching along with us, this is at about one minute fifteen seconds, you can see the red haired dwarf that we've seen a lot of dialogue from, but he hasn't been super identified. But this seems to be Dorin the Fourth. Uh, who will be king of this nation? He's the heir,
1: right? With queen, with uh, with a spouse, I guess. Queen Disa.
0: I think that's his, uh, his mother or his mother-in-law. Uh, oh, really? His, his father is the king right now, uh, Doran the Third. Right.
1: Oh, I. Th- okay. Th- then I was making something up. I apologize. I'm probably going to okay. get hate mail at baldmove.com. Uh- <laughs> Listen,
0: second age at baldmove.com. Yell at us. That's right.
1: Yeah. Next, we see this beautiful scene of these mountains and water running, fa- waterfalls running down. Does this scene remind you of anything, Jon?
0: Oh, uh, all these. I mean, it could be like Tyrion, which is where the Elves were living in Valinor. I don't sp- specifically remember anything looking like this. Um, I, I mean, I could also see this being before door, as people are calling it. You know, some right. some beautiful area. Maybe maybe it's Mount Doom. Who knows.
1: This, but just this visual shot, stepping back a little bit, it it uh, uh, um, uh, visually reminds me of seeing the veins of Mithril running through the rocks in one of the ah. previous trailers.
0: Yes. I, I have no
1: that. idea if that's intentional or not, but just from a, an, a, a visual language uh, standpoint to me that, that that's how this scene is talking to me.
0: You know, every time I see a shot like this, I'm like, was this put here for a reason, or was this when D&D wanted a zombie bear in Game of Thrones? They they just <laughs> wanted it, you know? Uh, right. W- what what level are we at in the planning here?
1: Right. All right, so we uh, come down, and uh, that they take us straight into this uh, shot of Kazudun, which we've seen a number of times, with waterfalls falling down. So, you know, this could be connected. Mm. And we see the old king, and then we see the the tree starting to shed, and we see Galadriel uh, turning around. She's looking a little surprised.
0: Right. What is she looking at? I think she was in Numenor there, right? It looks like that. Yeah, she's yeah. looking at the white tree, unless that's misdirection. Um, but yeah, you can see the petals a
1: little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they connect that then we it looks like we go to the Southlands, and we've got Arondir here uh, doing his thing. I'm really starting to get interested in, in this storyline. hmm And then we see somebody looking over some sort of nighttime battle formation with a whole bunch of uh, – uh, uh, some sort of army or force with a whole bunch of torches. We don't know who this person is that's looking over uh, this. It's almost like they're sneaking, uh, sneaking a look. I can't tell.
0: I'm I'm just scrubbing it. I think it might be the stranger, but he might be too young. I I can't tell.
1: No, the ears. Look at the ears. That's an elf ear.
0: Oh, you're right. At
1: about one thirty-four. Right. What are we yeah. looking
0: at here? Hmm. Right. Maybe
1: it's somebody. Maybe one of the elves uh, that's guarding the Southlands here is uh, uh, spying on the enemies, marshalling their forces.
0: Yeah, it could not be even a named character. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Then we cut over to a quick scene of the Hartford's, and then we cut over to the dinner scene with uh, Elrond, and then back to some more Hartford's. And we we see our first straight-on shot of the stranger, of what, who we think is Meteor Man, at one forty-one. We get a clear look at his face.
0: Yeah. Now, the dialogue here, I just want to say, yeah. this is the first piece <laughs> of dialogue that made me genuinely nervous for the dialogue in the show. A little cringe uh, for you? With our hearts even bigger than our feet. All right. All right. <laughs> let's calm down here. I, I like Hobbits as much as the next person, but let's not put that line in the show.
1: All right. Well, this one will be yours. Mine will be You Have Not Seen What I Have Seen. I thought that was just some of the most lazy writing I'd ever heard. But anyway, hmm. so I get you. I'm with you a, a little bit on this cringe line here. Um, then we see our sea dragon oh and it looks like it was even I saw it look like kind of a harpoon in the back of the sea dragon as it was cruising along there we have no idea what this creature is
0: yeah I I couldn't tell you
1: Um, in one of the teasers in the teaser for this trailer the other day we see Galadriel reach for her dagger at her waist while she's in the water so um, I'm feeling a little bit like, we've got some um, Chekhov's dagger here.
0: Yeah, this seems to be something she's pretty attached to now, after her brother died.
1: Yeah. We've got deer and I forget who, uh, what's her name? Bronwyn. Uh, what's his character's name? Bronwyn, yeah. Um, talking a little bit. And we get some of uh, this, uh, uh, looks like Galadriel's special forces action here, pushing through the through the icy wastes. Yeah. Um, and we. this is where we really set up uh, Galadriel as uh, this warrior um, who is on a mission. And she says, there is a tempest in me while she's, uh, looks like she's talking to the Numenorean uh, council.
0: Yeah. Also, can I just say she was referred to as commander. So that confirms yes. what Elrond was saying before. Now, I don't know where this is in the timeline, but I think it could be later than we originally thought. This This particular shot could be not the Helcaraxae.
1: Right. Yeah, they're definitely playing with some some stuff here in terms of timelines. Then we get her uh, doing a badass combat role while she chops at a uh, an ice troll, and then we cut back to the uh, ice waterfall scenes, which this is one of my least favorite scenes of her hanging off this... Ice waterfall and full plate armor holding onto a dagger.
0: (laughs) You um, know what's amazing about that scene is that it looks so CGI, and they have photos of them shooting this for real. And I don't know how they made a practical effect shot look like CGI, Uh but it does. (laughs) I don't know if it's too much airbrushing or something, but it's... Something's yeah. off about it. I don't understand.
1: Maybe with the smoke and the or not the smoke but the uh, the wind and the snow and the air when it's mm-hmm. overlaying it a little bit. Yeah. Then we get Elrond kind of trying to uh just be a little bit of a, uh I don't know. He's not mansplaining, but he's he's telling her to to stand down. He's like, Uh No. Yeah, El splaining There you go. And uh, we get a bunch of cutscenes here of different things, some combat. Oh, um, definitely I want to talk about a scene here right after it looks like Halbrand with his spear on, his, um, on the horseback. There's a scene of the stranger yelling and wind blowing through the trees. So hmm. could this add weight to the theory that he is one of the uh, various wizards that were sent? Could be. You know, I
0: want him to be a wizard. I've, I've been asking for that uh-huh. this whole time if you've been following along with us. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I could see him being maybe, you know, there's no rule that Radagast has to be tiny. Maybe maybe they'll make him Radagast.
1: Sure. That'd be interesting.
0: Uh, you know, if they, if they just go against the Hobbit movies, which I don't think anyone will take issue with them disregarding the Hobbit movies.
1: <laughs> no, hopefully not. So we got a few more scenes here. We got some explosions. We've got Galadriel uh, doing some badass sword maneuvers after she drops the ice troll. And then that brings us uh, without it. What am I to be? Yeah. So we, then we, we close uh, on the trailer with the um, prime video. So pretty interesting. They, like I said, I'm feeling like they're giving us a lot more, but they're, they're doing that to hide a lot more.
0: Yeah, you know, it was packed, but I agree with you, there's misdirection in there, and it's stuff that we've seen before a lot, but recontextualized, so, uh, yeah, yeah, they could do. They could still go anywhere with it, pretty much. They haven't shoehorned themselves into anything. I genuinely don't know what's going to happen, even though I've read all these writings, and, and if you've been listening to our podcast, you know the general outline of the story in the writings. I don't know what they're planning to do with season one, because they're taking so many liberties with the timeline and characters, so... I'm excited to finally get into this next week.
1: You know, I'm. It's. I I wanted to link back over to the House of the Dragon stuff. I was listening to. uh, I think it was Dave Chen and and Kim Renfro uh, on theirs, and one of the things that they were talking about, and and also the one that uh, Kim did with Aaron, that all of this history is known. It's you know in the Game of Thrones world, it's it's written, but the how, the why, the motivations, Mm -hmm. the emotion. All of that stuff is what is at play here. And maybe while tonally these two shows are going to be very different, maybe in this way they're going to be the same where it's like, yeah, we have a lot of written canon that we are, you know, that these shows are basing themselves off of. But that's just a skeleton. Like we're gonna add muscle and organs, and and I'm gonna use a body metaphor here. But there's a whole much, whole bunch more that can be built onto the skeletons of these stories. That are really going to uh, pull at us intellectually and emotionally. So, whereas these two stories are going to be very different, uh, struck from a from a storytelling standpoint, I think that's going to be very interesting to see how both of these production teams pull off this um, creating story from from the bones of these written words.
0: Right. Yeah. It's a it's a big task to add emotional dimension and and flesh to these stories. Uh, You know, one of my favorite books is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. And people Mm -hmm. always compare Tolkien's extended writings to, like, biblical writings to, like, you know, early Bible writings. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's right a lot of the time. I think that it's, you know, it's more detailed than that. But I I think that you can see how John Steinbeck expanded the story of Cain and Abel, which is like a few paragraphs in the Bible, to this huge, like, morality play which is one of the most popular books and and renowned books of all time uh you can see how that can be the same thing as something like this where they're taking something that was one chapter in the Silmarillion and they're going to take that and make it into five seasons
1: right yeah I think it's gonna be a very cool I'm I'm super excited I'm feeling more confident uh how are you feeling
0: yeah, I feel confident. I, uh, I just want to see it already. <laughs> I'm ready.
1: <laughs> so please uh, join us here. It's going to be late, but 1115 Eastern next Thursday night. We are going to do an instant take here on this Discord stage. Um, and we're going to be talking about our uh, uh, thoughts and feelings after we see the first two episodes of the show. Um, we are just experimenting right now with Discord stages just to get our feet underneath us in terms of doing uh, live audience types broadcasts. And then um, in the future, we will see how we're going to proceed, whether we're going to do similar to what Jim and Aaron do or, or something different. I will make an event for it here in the Discord, and hopefully we'll get that into the this week on Bald Moves um, uh, weekly community update stuff. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
0: And we're back. Guess you weren't expecting that. John's doing the hosting now.
1: (laughs) It's my turn to be on the other side of the uh, expert um, uh, divide.
0: It's true. So, David, you've done this uh, magnificent effort of watching (laughs) all of these YouTube videos, whether they are good or not so good even if they were all made with love. What do you think of all these overall? How do you, how do you think the fan community has risen to the challenge of making a bunch of fan fiction movies?
1: It's really interesting. So a little bit of a background uh, about this. So I found this playlist when we were doing the research on all of the film and TV adaptations uh, for Tolkien's work. Um, I found two fanfic films on youtube uh that were referenced by the tolkien society the hunt for Gollum" and, and born for born of hope and i was like oh that's interesting and i kind of looked at him briefly and then i stumbled across this playlist by a youtube user named phil music fest fiesta
0: oh that's that's a lot of f-
1: yes it is <laughs> and uh this person i don't know it's just a random playlist that they have because most of their other stuff is philharmonic related hmm and there are all there are a dozen films that are inspired by Tolkien. Now, the caveat here is, except for a, uh, I think like three, two or three of these, um, these are actual live action movie type videos. They are not hmm. explainers. They're not YouTube content producers talking about or reacting to stuff. But these are like act from from varying quality of damn near feature level production all the way through down to LARP in the park, mm-hmm. um, and they're all none of them are for profit, and none of them are funded by any external thing. So they can actually walk this line of being fan created content. And as long as they don't take money for it, the none of the rights holders can come for them.
0: Okay. Well, that, that's pretty nifty. It is. They get, to, uh, they, they get to give us joy with all these works without paying a ton of money to the Tolkien estate or getting a nice mean letter from the descendants of Tolkien.
1: Exactly. So there's a ton of YouTube videos out there about Middle Earth stuff. Um, and I do want to uh, flag a note of caution here. There's also a lot of garbage out there, <laughs> and there's a lot of racism and misogyny on, on the YouTube. internet. Yes, <laughs> shocking! Wow, shocking! But you I heard so it I just... here
0: first, folks.
1: <laughs> so be careful, folks, out there when you're searching for YouTube content because there is some really ugly stuff. That said, we have this playlist of about a, a, these dozen or so films. We'll post it in the show notes. We'll post it in our Discord. Um, so if you want to check out any of them, uh, you can do so and then what I thought we would do is we would go through uh, all of these and I kind of group them up into skip it uh into or skip it or watch it, and they kind of fall into three categories, um ones which are just like don't even bother um, the other category is uh, what I call larp in the park. <laughs> And then ones that are I just absolutely you should watch. These are feature length style things that are really interesting. And if you're a Tolkien fan and a Middle Earth fan, then um, these are fun things to watch when you've got a few minutes in between stuff. And it it sort of uh, adds a little bit more color and context to some of these stories because they talk about these films are about things that. Fall between the cracks of of major uh, plot points in in Lord of the Rings.
0: Mm. There's a ton of gaps in the Legendarium. so yes. I'm glad that some people are starting to fill in some of those gaps, even if it may not be canon. We can have a lot of fun with that. So exactly. thank you for watching that and, and saving us a bunch of time. <laughs> and uh, so so let's hear it. What do you what do you have in that first category? And skip it. Why don't we go from from bad to good? Not even bad. Let's uh, let let's say. Less lovely.
1: <laughs> yes. So there so the, if you if you have questions about this, um, there look in the show notes and we'll list all of these out uh, by this grouping. and I sort of have these grouped up in the order of the playlist itself. so we'll kind of chop it up a little bit here, but skip it. There are three uh, films on this list. One is a Silmarillion concept film idea. And in this one, the person has basically taken uh, video game playthroughs, um, uh, some other computer animations, oh. general computer animations, and they sort of read through quotes from the Silmarillion sort of talk in this omniscient narrator thing. This one was done in 2017. It's quite long and it's like somebody's pitch for like making the Silmarillion a movie. Oh, so I would say- oh, wow. Yeah, totally skip it. It's it's um, it's a labor of love, but it's painful and doesn't it doesn't have a lot of coherency <laughs> to it.
0: What do they use? Lord of the Rings Online? I feel like that's that's the only thing you could use for that kind of scale of something. Go
1: check it out, <laughs> and you can see right. uh, where where the different video games, different fantasy g- games, and things like that, where they've pulled stuff. It's 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 interesting in that regard, but um, but uh, hard hard to watch otherwise. All right. The next thing is called the Troll Bridge, and I don't know why this is on the Tolkien uh, on this list um, that uh, this person put together. It was done in 2019. It's not Middle Earth. It has – I forget what the other title was. I didn't write it in my notes. It has beautiful drone footage, and it's about this old barbarian and his talking horse, and they're going on some (laughs) crazy adventure. Um, and I believe it might've been filmed in New Zealand cause the, cause they did live action and they're actually like in this river valley with snowy mountains behind them and beautiful Peter Jackson style drone shots, uh, coming up, uh, the river and stuff like that. I, I didn't even watch the whole thing. It's, it's a totally unrelated, uh, uh, title. So skip that one.
0: Was it the horse from horsing around though?
1: No. <laughs> okay. They used a real horse, and then they animated the horse's voice. It was pretty funny. All right. What, what you got for me next? The This strange thing called I Nulindale. I you. I Nulindale. Thank you. I, I see it in your that. notes. It's okay. I, I butchered that. Don't hate me. I'm not a linguist. Um, This thing is another skip it. This is a multi-animation, multi-source animation retelling of the creation of Arda. And it talks about how uh, all the gods and the music and sort of all this first age stuff. And it's kind of like a... um, uh, It's partially narration. It's partially story. uh, And it's just a mishmash of of weird computer animations explaining the the creation of Arda.
0: See, that's a big shame to me because... Ina Lindaleigh, I'll say it a million times for the audience if you want, maybe it'll make up for Galadriel. Yeah. Um, so Ina Lindeley is like one of my favorite parts of the Silmarillion. It's the, it's the very beginning. Uh-huh. And uh, it's such a beautiful metaphor that Tolkien had. It's made even more beautiful by the fact that Tolkien was terrible at music, but admired it so much. Mm. And so he had these descriptions of these trumpets sounding and, and all this building music, building symphony into this creation. I think that that's amazing. And I'm sad to hear that, that this was not a not a successful adaptation of that.
1: Yeah, it's it's a bit rough to watch. Um, check it out though. Like maybe maybe poke, it, give it a poke, and and uh, play it on two okay. X speed. <laughs> All right. So in our next category, we have LARP in the park. All right. And we have three really uh, like man. If you have. The guts to put on a cape and some tinfoil armor and head out to the park with an iPhone or, a, a, you know, an old video camera. Awesome. Like, I am so proud of you. That is so great. But that doesn't mean that I can watch your material. <laughs> and some of these are, are really fun. There's three titles in this category. Uh, Shadow of Mordor, Rise of the Nazgul, and The Ranger.
0: Is, um, is the Shadow of Mordor one related to the game?
1: Yes, it is. It's made by a company called Corridor Digital. They're like a small VFX crew. They may be based in SoCal. Um, they d- This has a lot of production value to it. It has a lot of great costumes and makeup. And they do a lot of computer animation. And I, it is directly related to the video game. Um, okay. And uh, maybe if I played the game, I would know the the characters, but there's some sort of ranger character who sort of like is able to enthrall a a, a hapless orc that is sent to kill him. And then he turns them against the orc bosses and there's a big fight and lots of drone footage and, and, and VFX
0: Nice, yeah. I've spent a lot of time on that video game. Okay, uh, I, I like it a lot. It's 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 a terrible representation of canon, but it is a super fun video
1: game to play. Awesome. Well, you should check out the video. It may may add something. So the next one is Rise of the Nazgul, and this one like this one gets points for for heart and effort. Done in 2013. Uh, it's about 30 minutes long. It's uh, three or four f- friends in the UK. Um, who tell the story of one of the rings of men that is lost and then found by these two wayward travelers. Hmm. And then they meet up with this uh, other guy who they have a lot there's a lot of uh, intergroup conflict between them and uh, wrestling over the the ring as they're trying to get to their destination. It is one of the lower production value uh, films. It's very slow. It's even slow to watch on 1.5 speed, but it is very sweet, and the guys really put a lot of effort into it. I mean, it's done in 2013, right? So there's you know the the, the technology and what they were doing, really lovely, uh, very cool concept, but a little bit hard to watch.
0: Okay, so worth worth the watch if you got nothing else to watch at the time.
1: Yeah, uh, put it on on one at one and a half, and uh, put it on the background watch. Yeah, it's sweet. But but yeah, it's painful. And then uh, in the last category in LARP in the Park, we have The Ranger. And that one was done in 2019. It's only about five minutes long. You can skip it. It doesn't add anything to the story or to the you know, to the canon. It's just a fight scene with a bunch of orcs and a ranger. Uh, Certainly a labor of love. The costuming for the orcs is, is uh, has a lot to be desired, but they really went as far as they could, and so it's kind of cool. And the fight scenes aren't that bad, um, okay. but it's basically one ranger takes on a little band of of orcs in the in the park. I'm into it. It's cool. It's cool for sure. So, what do we need to
0: watch, David? What what are the the cream at the top that we right. need to watch?
1: There are four in this category. Uh, we'll leave the last two the, the two big ones uh for the last we have um in the in the first set we have the horn of gondor and one of the seven now one of the seven is i had a it was borderline larp in the park or need to watch it is a high quality larp It is made by uh, a Finnish crew called uh, Ryman Films, I believe. And it looks like they make a ton of fanfic cosplay movies. It's uh, about 20 minutes long. It has a nice little uh, uh, stinger at the end. Oh, no, that one's not the one that has a stinger. Um, It's it's kind of like a silent film where the actors don't speak. And it's all voiceover narration, really great music, really hilarious costumes that are really cool, like obvious toys, but they like make it work really well. The beards for the dwarves are just like painted pencil marks on faces. And But like they go full on with everything that they can. And it's it's mm. lovely. And it's a story of one of the rings of the dwarves, one of the seven rings of the dwarves. Ah. It gets lost and it gets found by some elves. And then these dwarves trick the elves into giving them the ring and then the uh, elves hunt them down uh because they're they're mad because they got tricked.
0: Hmm, that's a, that sounds very first age in the uh relationship between dwarves and elves. I know it's supposed to be in the second age because it's the the lost rings of the the dwarves or maybe third age. But uh that that that's funny. There's there's a bunch of stories in the first age of like mischievous dwarves with, mm-hmm. with elves and uh, uh, definitely read The Silmarillion if you want more of that too. But, but that sounds like an interesting concept.
1: Yeah, it was done in 2021. Uh, it's, it's really pretty good quality. Like I said, the music and the voiceover are really well done and I just loved seeing these actors go out and, and put on every piece of gear that they had <laughs> and make it look really good. It's like you see it and you kind of laugh, but you're like dang, they, they carry it. And they believe in it. And it's just, it's really lovely. I, I really enjoy it. This is one of the ones that I enjoyed. It gave me the most joy in watching it. Yeah, that passion comes through, I guess. Totally, totally. So then we have Horn of Gondor. And this goes into the category of the three of these top three that are near feature length uh, quality and uh, uh, story and everything. This one uh, is made, I believe it's a Czechoslovakian group that made this. And it's some Gondor Rohirrim backstory where basically somebody from Gondor goes in search of uh, help and and to find the Rohirrim before they had their official pact. Like this is like, hey, we need help. And uh, so it, it just tells the story of this one Gondor soldier going up and trying to find the Rohirrim so that they can form the alliance that plays later into the in, in the main storyline.
0: Right. Yeah. No, there's there's definitely a deep history between Gondor and Rohan. I know that Warner Brothers is doing an animated yes. movie about the Rohirrim. Yeah. Uh, so so that'll be interesting. If you want to have a prequel to that, I guess this is a good option.
1: It's a it's a pretty good film. It's about twenty minutes long. It's got good production values, good costuming. The acting is somewhat decent. Has some good fight scenes. Um, has a little twist and turns in the story. Um, I liked it. It has a lot of heart, and uh, I got some feels from it when the you know when the when the, the when the plot resolves and the sort of forces come together. You're like, all right, you know that that felt good. So nice. All right, I, so I the,
0: love a good happy ending. So yes. So, um, You mentioned there were two more uh, really high-quality ones. What are those?
1: Yes, so we have Born of Hope and The Hunt for Gollum. Now, these take place in two different timelines, and there's some connectivity between the productions. Like, do people know each other? Or there's like a a, a production company that's sort of over them that has sort of put both of these out. These are serious films with a lot of effort and uh, uh, a lot of money behind them, uh, relatively uh, speaking. So uh, The Hunt for Gollum is made by uh, – directed by a gentleman named Chris Bouchard out of the UK. It looks and feels a lot like a Peter Jackson film. It's about 35 minutes long. Um some of the cGI is a bit rough, but there's some good fights scenes, and it basically tells a story of how Gandalf goes to Strider and Strider says, "I'll go and find Gollum captures Gollum and then how Gollum gets away uh, and then sort of sort of ends just before um Strider goes off to the, uh, Bree to try to meet up with the hobbits hmm
0: that sounds uh that that sounds really good that sounds like something that would have been cool to see in the movies.
1: Yes, it's totally one of those missing gap pieces. And if you're into the legendarium, then definitely worth a watch. Okay, so Crown Jewel, born of hope, uh, made in 2009 by a director by the name of Kate Madison. And she seems to be a bit of a thing on YouTube. A um, uh, uh, little bit of a, a force of nature She seems to have pulled together Quite a community around her And has made a lot of films And is I think making more And Born of Hope is one of her you know, uh, Big jewels in her crown I think it has the highest production value uh, And the biggest story It's the longest by far It's 70 minutes long All wow. the rest of these are like 20-30 minutes at most
0: That That's a movie, that's a short movie
1: It is, it is And uh, it was made in the UK, and it's um, really, I believe, early Second Age stuff, I would guess. It's a time before the War of the Ring, and it tells the story of the Dunedain, um, you know, the Rangers of the North, Mm -hmm. before the return of the King. And apparently, it was inspired by a couple of paragraphs that Tolkien wrote in the appendices that follows um, Arathorn and Gilrain. The, pa- the parents of Aragorn how okay. they first met and then how Aragorn was spirited away to be raised by the elves to be protected because the the people of the north were sort of it was it was a you know a, a dangerous place to be
0: wow so that that seems like a really good way to lead into a rewatch of the Lord of the Rings trilogy
1: totally yeah uh and it's good story. It, it dry, it's a little slow. It's 2009. It doesn't maybe have a pacing that we're, we're used to now. But, you know, real actors, not real actors as opposed to fake actors, but, you know, uh, a lot of production value, a good script, uh, a lot of thought gone into the story, um, a lot of connectivity, a lot of connectivity to the legendarium and picking up pieces that we don't get to see. And so then they've they've uh, dramatized uh, these couple of paragraphs. So you'd watch it before you watch The Hobbit again, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch uh, any of these before <laughs> I watched The Hobbit again. <laughs> you'd watch
0: the Silmarillion concept film before The I Hobbit? I would. I would. Wow. All right. Strap you heard it here, folks. SecondAgentBobMove.com.
1: That's right. <laughs> Pry open my eyeballs, uh, drop little droplets in them, and uh, I will watch The Ultraviolence. If
0: any among you would speak for The Hobbit, write in. And let us know or suggest us your favorite uh, YouTube fanfic film and uh, and maybe we'll chat about it on the on the feedback episode
1: this is by is no by no means is an exhaustive list it's just this playlist that I, I stumbled across and it just seemed to have a lot of uh, uh, really good content and uh, I really enjoyed watching some of these <laughs> some of them I didn't but uh, yeah there's like two or three that like added to my um, uh, added to my understanding of the legendarium
0: nice. So if you were going to recommend one of these to watch, if you, if you have to say, watch one of these films to, to somebody who hasn't seen any of them, what would you say?
1: I would probably say Hunt for Gollum, The Hunt for Gollum, because that one um, fills in a gap. They talk a lot about in The Lord of the Rings main storyline about Gollum and being captured and Strider and where was, wh- why didn't Strider. Gandalf meet? Yeah, Strider didn't meet them at Bree and and how, you know, that, that whole thing set piece so that really sets up uh, for that storyline uh, a missing piece um, if you want a fun romp and a, just a really cute story I would say one of the seven I, I just, it had the best LARP in the park I just I was like at first <laughs> I was like oh, I was like ready to give it to stink eye and then I was like no this is actually really gave me a lot of joy it was it was really well done
0: all right Well, David, thank you again for doing all the work for us and making it so that we didn't have to sift through this entire playlist. Again, we'll have these in the show notes. Uh, If you guys could uh, rate, review us, that helps other people find this podcast. Don't forget to write in at com, message us on the Discord at baldmove.com, and uh, tweet at us if you want, at the Lorehounds. So thanks again, David, and I will talk to you next week.
1: Sounds great. The Second Age podcast is produced by the Lorehounds and published by Bald Move. You can send
0: questions and feedback about this podcast to secondage at baldmove.com. For more Rings of Power content, subscribe to Dug Too Deep on your favorite podcast app.
1: Ad-free versions of this and all other Bald Move podcasts can be yours by going to patreon.com slash baldmove. Check the show notes for reading recommendations and more info. Thanks for listening.